flight of stairs, it's because I did. Um, it's a quick wardrobe change, and so I'm going to have to learn that uh, when you're baptizing. I'm going to have to get used to that. So um, good morning. I'm glad you guys are all here. Again, if you don't know me, my name is Josh Gresham. I'm the associate pastor here at First Baptist Chickasha. We're so glad you're here with us today. And the first thing we're going to do is if it hasn't been done already, we're going to release the kids for Kids Crew. So at this time, if you're going to help with that, you may make your way that way. Kids Crew is our kids ministry worship time that we do upstairs. And you'll see that there are many, many of them that go. And also some adults that go uh, to help out with that, to control the chaos that you will see as they cross the front of the, the stage area. And so... We're excited for them to go and worship together this morning, and we will do the same here in this room just as we have already begun to do. Um, I'm thankful for the opportunity this morning to be able to uh, fill the pulpit for Michael while he's gone. Uh, a bunch of people have asked me where he's at. He's actually visiting his son, Pike, in Houston. Uh, P- Pike is actually serving on staff at Second Baptist Houston this summer as a youth ministry intern. And so he has been there for about a month now, and they wanted to go down and just get an opportunity to spend some time with him. So they went, uh, I believe they left yesterday, if I'm correct, so they should be there now, just being able to spend some time together as a family, uh, and just to be able to uh, worship together again as a family as they do that down there at Second Houston. So our time this morning uh, will be focused on Psalm 139. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there with me, Psalm 139. And if you haven't been with us uh, for the last uh, couple, uh, the last beginning, since the beginning of the year, uh, we've been focused on uh, working our way through the Bible on a Bible in a year reading plan as a church. Each week we focus on one of the scripture passages that is part of the text from that week. And we dive a little bit deeper together as a congregation uh, just to be able to understand it better. And this week we're in Psalm 139. As you can see, if you look at your Bible and you hold it up, we're actually about halfway there, which makes sense where we are in the year. Um, So if you haven't been with us in that Bible reading plan, it is never too late to start now. Just jump in where we're at. Uh, You don't don't feel like, unless you want to, don't feel like you have to go all the way back to the beginning and start from there. But also, if you have been reading along and you've gotten a little behind, that's okay. Make sure you keep up. Make sure you get back on track and, and just take some time this week to sit down and do that, right? We've all got a little bit of time in our schedule we can slide aside. So we want to make sure that we are setting that, that time aside uh, special to the Lord. So uh, this week, as I mentioned, we have continued in our time spent in the book of Psalms. And we are nearing the end as we get into uh, the very last chapters of the book of Psalms. We've spent quite a while focused on the writings of the psalmists. And this week we have found ourselves focused on much scripture uh, of David's praising and worshiping of God. This is a stark change to some of what we've seen from him uh, in previous chapters where he wavered from worry and fear, but always trusting in God's goodness and protection over his life. In the last few chapters even, in, in just even like the last three or four chapters, we've seen him focused on waiting on the Lord's provision in his life, trusting in God's provision and peace in his life, God's love and steadfastness in the lives of God's people, And God's goodness to him, even in affliction and terrible circumstances uh, that he may be in. Regardless, David trusted that the Lord was always good. Psalm 139 kind of echoes some of this. It is written as a beautiful song, again, focused in on God's goodness and understanding and knowing his people and loving them in such an awesome way. This psalm echoes much of what we know of David and how God has led him through the difficulty and the trials of his life. 
and paints a picture for us of David's true faith and reliance on God in all aspects of life, in all things. And although we, cannot, we can see David's full, that David fully believed and surrendered himself to God, there are challenges even for us here because this passage is good for us to be able to read and gain knowledge and wisdom from just as any portion of Scripture that we read. And there are even challenges here for us as believers and unbelievers as we unpack it. So join me together as we read Psalm 139. It says this, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward most parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame is not hidden from you when I was being made in the secret, intricately intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So as we look at this passage, we see David's view of God and his understanding and relationship with God, and how it informed and shaped his faith and trust in God. How David saw God affected every aspect of his life, A few we see here and many others we see in other portions of Scripture. And we saw his personal relationship as one of God's chosen. As he leaned into God, he placed complete and utter faith in him. This text paves a road that can help inform us as well of God's characteristics and fully instructs us to lean into God's omnis, if you will, as we trust in he as the great creator, sustainer, and, and provider for all things. So David starts in this first section, verses 1 through 6, and focuses on God's omniscience. So what does this word omniscience mean? What does it mean that God is omniscient? It means that everything God does in his all-knowing nature, he is all-knowing. He does all in his all-knowing nature, and it always has a purpose. Everything God does has a purpose because he knows all. David was so in tune with God that he understood that there is nothing in his life that God didn't know of him. 
Again, this passage is focused on David, but I believe we can gain wisdom and knowledge from this passage in the ways that God focuses on us, the way he sees us, and there is nothing that he doesn't know of us as well. He says, you know when I sit and when I rise, showing that God knows every movement I make, everything I do, everywhere I go, God is there. He knows every move I make. Before a word is on my tongue, God knows everything I think and every word that leaves my mouth. Everything that comes into my mind, God is aware of. He says, you hem me in behind and before. God knows my past and my present and my future. David finishes with saying that God's knowledge of even himself, he can't understand. He can't fathom how well God knows him. God understands David beyond his comprehension and knows him better than he knows himself, which is a crazy thought, right? Somebody would know you better than you know yourself. But of course this is the case. God is the creator of all things, and as such he knows the inner workings of what he has made like nobody else can. He knows better you than you know yourself. He uses the same language as Job even as he wraps up from Job 42 in his response to God's explaining of who he is. In Job it says this, Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I do not know. He finishes here with this idea of that God knows more than he can ever attain. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, it is high, I cannot attain it. When we understand and we fathom who God is, just as Job and I believe David is here, the natural response to God is awe of him. To understand his goodness, to understand his awesomeness in the small, minute way that we can, it should point us to to the awe of God. It should point us to being amazed by God. It should point us to to understanding even in a deeper way the love and, and the care that God has for us as his people. And if you've got your bullets in with you this morning, you'll see on the back of the bullets in that you have a few notes. And and the first one that, that I have for you is this this morning. Number one is that God knows all and he knows all of me. God knows all things. He created all things. Of course he knows of all things. And in that he created you and he knows every bit of you. He knows us better than we know ourselves because he is the one that created us. And he knows every bit of us. He knows our hearts, our minds. He loves us deeply. And so in that, he seeks to know us because he is our creator. David then focuses, uh, switches his focus, might I, to God's omnipresence in verses 7 through 12. So what is this idea of omnipresence, right? It, it kind of it's self-explanatory, right? The omnis of themselves is all, right? So if he's omnipresent, that means he is all present. God is all present all the time. God was, is, and always will be. And he never leaves or forsakes us, Scripture says. David understood that no matter where he went and what he did, God was always there, which actually meant two things here in this passage. One The obvious, God is always with me. He says, from heaven to Sheol, 
God is present. There's nowhere he goes that God isn't. In the darkest of darkness, God is present. Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. God is always with us. He never forsakes us. Even in our time of need, especially in our time of need, he is ever-present. This also means another thing. Yes, he is always with us. Yes, that is a great news. But it also means there is nowhere that we can hide from God. And I will be the first to say that there have been times in my life that I have wanted to hide from God in my sin. That I have struggled, that I have done things I knew were against the will of God. And I wanted to hide away as if I could. We may not be able, or we may be able to hide our sins from the church. We may even be able to hide our sins from our friends, or maybe even from our family. But there is nothing we can hide, nor can we hide, from the Lord God Almighty. He is always present within us, living within us. There is nothing we can do, nowhere we can go, that God can't go. It says, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. God covers all things, even darkness, because even darkness doesn't exist when God is present. This leads us to our second point on your bulletin. God is always present, and he is always with me. He is with us through every aspect of life. And we also shouldn't hide from him. When we understand that he seeks to love us and give us good gifts, as the scripture says, we want nothing more than to live in close proximity to him, as close as possible. When we're in God's light, when we, when we have placed our faith in God and our trust in him, we want to be close to God. We seek to, to know him better. We seek to know his ways. We seek to know the path that he has for us. And in doing so, we, we gain this, this relationship and this closeness that can only be gained in knowing him and trusting in him. God is close to those who are his. And so in that, we see that God is always present and he is always present with me. Lastly, David speaks of God's omnipotence. And again, this idea of omnipotence, what is omnipotence? God is creator. and He is above all things. And he sets the paths of time. God is above all things. He is all-powerful. He sets the paths of time. David speaks of one of the most powerful and most intricate showings of God's power in childbirth here. He says, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I think often of, of this process, having little kids, having small kids. And um, my son will be one here pretty soon, so we're not too far out from having a baby. And I think of all of the things that have to happen and have to go right 
for a baby to be created. The process of a baby being created in and itself is a feat of precision. God orchestrates that process. He says, you formed my inward parts. Again, so many things have to go exactly right in the process of a child being formed. There's very little room for error. God created every detail of us from within the womb, thousands of small things having to happen perfectly, which is a miracle in itself. He says, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Here he's using imagery in a way. He's still speaking of of, of a child being put together in the womb. But we can think upon the time frame of David's life and quickly realize that there uh, wasn't much in the sense of medical advancement during this time. Yes, we now have much further along advanced in this process that we can go do ultrasounds and we can, we can see so many small things within the, 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 the womb. But still even then, we can't explain many of what happens, right? There's so many tiny things, again, that have to happen perfectly. They had no way of seeing inside the womb, and thus the mystery was even greater for them. He compares it here to the mystery of the nature of the depths of the earth, something unsearched and unattainable to them. As our creator, there is no mystery here to God. David thought on this, and it took him to a place of awe and amazement of God's power. And yet David understands, in your book were written every one of them the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God had plans for David far before David's birth. God had a plan for David well before he was conceived and has orchestrated every single aspect of his life from that point forward. David understood God was orchestrating every part of David's life, all to help David focus on God's good plan and to bring David to a place of worshiping and glorifying God. That takes us to our third point on the back of your bulletin. That is this, God is the all-powerful creator, and he created me. And again, I put me on these just so that we could, we could personalize this a little bit more, because I do think this is something we should personalize. As a creator of the universe, God created everything. And not only that, but he created you as far above all other things. We can read in Scripture that God created man to rule over earth. To rule over the beasts of the land and the sea. He created you specific. You are intricate, specific, created in his image to love and glorify him. And we were created for a purpose. And that very purpose is what I just mentioned, to glorify him, to bring him glory. I'm a little bit of a church history guy. I like church history. I'm kind of a nerd in that way. Um, and I love reading catechisms. And uh, some of you are like, I, cool, that's awesome. Um, but one of my very favorite passages from the Westminster Catechism is this. The chief end of man is to glorify God 
and to enjoy him forever. And you may think on that and say, what exactly do you mean by enjoy him forever? When we glorify God, when we seek to be in God's will, when we seek to be in God's path, we bring him glory. When we live the life that he has set before us, we bring him glory. When we worship him rightfully because he is worthy, we bring him glory. And in doing so, we reap the rewards of glorifying God, of that relationship that we can have when we have that idea of closeness and that tight-knitness with God. And in that, we are able to enjoy him forever. God is a good God. He loves you. He cares for you. And he wants good things for you. The scriptures tell us that. So if that is the case, and it is, when we live in God's will, we get to enjoy God. We get to love God and feel the love of God in our lives. When God created us, he intended for us to bring him glory. And in return, we get to enjoy him forever as we live in the light of his glory. So then we look further into the text and we see David's response. The psalmist responds in the way that reflects the understanding of God that he had. In relationship and reverence, he prayed. And he surrendered his life fully to God. He said, search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. This is a prayer of complete and full surrender. David is saying, God, be in control. God, it's yours. My life is yours. Be in control. He says, and see if there be any grievous way about me. And lead me in the way everlasting. God, look into my inwardmost heart. Seek me out. Know me as you do. And if there is anything that points away from you, God, correct it. Lead me in the way everlasting. Write my path. God, if there is any sin in my heart, rid me of it. You are in control. Again, full control. God, be in control. Our response to these things shows not only our understanding of God, but also the relationship that we have in him, just as David did. Again, as I mentioned, I believe there's a lot we can learn from David's words here as he, as he uttered them through this beautiful song. And I think as he wraps up in saying, search my heart, O God. See if there's anything wrong within me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think we have to think that in our own hearts, in our own minds as well. Are we allowing God to search us? Are we trusting in God for his full provision of our lives? Allowing him to know every detail of us as if he doesn't already. And are we willing to give all to him sacrificially? of what we have because it's his. God is good. He wants good for you as his people. And again, as I mentioned, I do believe that there is, 
there's word here for those that may not believe. And I, I don't know every heart in this room. But I think even in just reading this passage, we can see that God is the creator of all things. If we look and we see God's power, his might, we also see God's love and his care for his creation. Everything God does is intricate. Everything God does is perfectly planned. And everything God does is meant for a purpose. Have you thought through that? Have you considered that to be true in your life? So as I mentioned, we all have to respond to God in the circumstances. And I think it speaks to the faith that we have in him. David responded to his knowledge of God in full surrender and full obedience. But what about you? Do you know God in this way? Do you understand your absolute need for his grace and mercy because truly we're unworthy? Do you understand that he sacrificed his son Jesus for this very thing to bring you back into right relationship with him? That's the love, that's the care that David spoke of. And how are you responding? Are you offering yourself in full surrender to God? Are you trusting in the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? And if so, are you allowing him to work through you as a vessel of his goodness to others? Here in just a second, I'm going to pray. And we always call this a time of response because it is just that. It's a time of response. How we respond to the word of God when the word of God is taught and preached and proclaimed. And if God is stirring within your heart to respond to his word, Brad and I will be standing down here in front and would love to speak to you about uh, that, that, that prompting that call on your heart, whatever it may be. But we do believe this, that when the word of God is read, the people of God are called to respond. May that response today be one of obedience and action. So please join me in prayer.